0: The SAS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today.
1: Let me tell you the story of a startup. It all started when a young man from India ventured to the land of opportunity, the USA. It was there that he discovered his passion for startups and worked on some of the most cutting edge technologies in the data networking and data communications arena. In fact, he even got a US patent for his work. But that was just the beginning of his journey. Something happened down the line that would shake Shaker to his core and his startup would be hit hard. He had to make tough decisions and lead his team through the storm.
0: I was always passionate about joining a startup right from the time when I was in college. And for me, it was a dream come true when I had an opportunity in California to join a startup that was working on a very cutting-edge technology and the uh, second startup that I was part of, where I was part of that journey from inception to its IPO. We actually pioneered something really interesting in networking. And even Cisco was behind us. That was a big success and a lot of experiences stood out for me there. And that gave me the confidence to actually start, do another startup of, you know, which I co-founded in the Bay Area, Allegro Networks. And it was then very easy for us to raise VC money. With the PowerPoint presentation, we were able to raise $25 million at a $50 million pre-money valuation. And those are the problems of taking too much money too fast, growing too fast at all cost because we have taken money. We took $25 million and uh, before making any changes, but then it was, it was a very tough time during the 9-11 storm, right? In 2003, We managed to finally sell the technology and the india operations to juniper networks that's how juniper started its operations in india and this is just before i decided to come back to india the calling was there do something in india see actually the interesting thing is when i went from here to the us my goal was hey us is a land of opportunities make a hundred thousand dollars and then come back to india and as you know, what happens is when you make that $100,000 and you want to make more and then more and more and then you, there is no limit. So at some point, when everybody has this mixed emotion about, Hey, I want to do something back in my country where I was born. But a lot of people don't have the courage to make that leap and come back.
1: Now, despite the setback, Shaker had the craziest and most memorable experiences of his life in the USA, which he cherished very deeply. Some of his experiences sounded like they were straight out of a Hollywood movie. We were building
0: some of these high-tech products for the US military. I was actually stationed in Pentagon for one week. Of which, one of the things also included a helicopter drop to a Navy ship, IT-21. So, uh, I was not a citizen then, but they had to give clearance to our company and to me to be able to get me to be stationed there and do the fine-tuning of their network. So, it's like a crazy experience for me, right? I remember the days when I go into the facility first, they will wipe out my hard disk. And from the laptop, whenever I enter into the room, they put the tarpaulin all over the devices. I just get to work, connect to their equipment, whatever equipments are installed there. And then I look at it everywhere where I have to move, including the restroom, will be escorted with people then with these bayonet guns, where you have these knives pointing out of the rifles. My stay there in the US has been really rewarding and the IPO party was another crazy experience where we had to rent tuxedos and (laughs) interact with investors which were at that time like a white boys club. Even the EIR experience was crazy because I told you the VCs were flush with money and we used to take the VC's private jet, go to, I remember the Park City, Utah cabin of this VC. and. Skiing right from the cabin down to the ski slopes of Park City, Utah. Crazy, crazy things.
1: As I listen to Shaker's journey, I can't but help marvel at the sacrifices he had to make to pursue his dreams. He traveled to the US with the sole purpose of making $100,000, which back then was the equivalent to making a couple of million dollars today. And while he did achieve that goal, he also experienced a world that was vastly different from what he was used to. And as he shares his story, we can sense the cultural shock he experienced in the US. It's a journey that shaped his perspective and taught him valuable lessons about the importance of resilience and learning from failure.
0: Previously when I went there and you land there, you don't see any other Indian today it's very different the entire silicon valley there's a lot of indians holding good positions right so it's very different today at the time things were a lot different for me but as i look back at all these experiences i'm grateful for it because there's a lot of learning not just life experiences but a lot of learning that helped me today i can stand and talk to budding entrepreneurs young guys who have that aspiration and dream which now they can realize not necessarily by having to go to the U.S. They can do it here too. But the fundamentals are the same. Tough times are the ones that really test entrepreneurs and shows the character. And this is something that I really went through at Allegro during the 9-11 time frame. Pretty much everything came to a standstill and there was no one knew when this cloud is going to settle. So, every startup, every industry was letting go of people, reducing costs, you know, it was pretty much the panic button was on.
1: Despite cultural connotations in India that look down upon failures, Shekhar believes that failure is necessary for growth and learning. And with his experience in the US, he was more than ready to take on the challenges of building a successful startup aligned with his values and vision.
0: Failure actually taught me a lot more things, right? Especially from making me a stronger human being. Successes opened up my mind to say that these possibilities exist and you can dream big. If you dream big, there's nothing that should prevent you from achieving that. But it also taught me that there are certain things that are under your control but not Everything is under your control. I believe in that serenity prayer that says, give me that serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Give me the courage to change the things I can and give me the wisdom to know the difference, right? A lot of people miss that part of saying that some things are under your control and some things are not really under your control. And knowing that difference is the key.
1: Failure is not the end of the road, but a crucial step in our hero's journey. With each setback, he gained new insights and honed his skills, preparing him for the battles ahead. After years of building his career in startup in the United States, Shaker began to feel a calling to return to his roots in India. He knew that leaving behind the comfort and security of his life in the U.S. would be a risk, but he also felt a strong pull towards something greater. Shaker's passion for startups was unrelenting. And he soon found himself back in India, determined to make a difference in the country's growing tech ecosystem. With his newfound knowledge and experiences, Shaker set out to create a company that would not only succeed, but also have a positive impact on society.
0: Coming back to India after I went to the US was not a very easy decision. So it was both passion-driven and uh, wanting to come back to my roots. That was the driver for that. See, for me, I was always an entrepreneur. I was always with startups. Even in the US, I started with a startup from its inception, learned all the different types of hats for the startup, including making sure that our restroom had enough tissues to all the way to going into the manufacturing floor and making sure that we help in packing and to make sure that the, the network equipment that we were building were all being sent to our customers. So I've always been an entrepreneur. Even when I came to India, I came only to do, to start the, started from scratch. And when I went and talked to the NetApp CEO in the US, I remember Dan Vamanovan. So he was looking for someone who said, I don't want to have someone specifically from the NetApp corporate culture go do this. I want somebody who has been working in the startup, in the entrepreneur space to actually go build it. So I looked at it as that too, also as an entrepreneurial work. So having said that, I was always thinking about it, right? But what made me think about saying, hey, let me partner along with someone, actually it happened to be Prasanna, right? Along with Prasanna and said, hey, let us do this together was various factors. We were in two different places. So, Prasanna was in Microsoft Accelerator looking at startups and working with startups. And me, I was actually spending time with a boutique investment bank, Indigo Edge, and looking at the SaaS space. At that time, SaaS was very nascent in India.
1: But as with any new venture, doubts and apprehensions crept in. Shaker knew firsthand the challenges that came with starting a new organization. He wondered if their vision was too grand and unrealistic. Would they be able to secure and provide all the support for the deserving startup founders in India? Could they make a real impact in the Indian startup ecosystem? Despite these doubts, Shekhar decided to take the plunge and start this new venture. For
0: an entrepreneur, you want to keep your antenna up and make sure that you understand the risks Around your business. By then, you you also know that, in the consumer side, you started seeing all these utility on tap kind of services, right? You know, Swiggy was young. It was uh, during those days there were there was uh, Uber and Ola was coming up. Paytm was there. So what was happening was things were moving towards the subscription economy. That was very clear. And if you look to the US, you saw that it was actually getting more and more matured there not just in the B2C, but even in the B2B space, it was happening. It took time to come to India because the drivers around it, which is having a good internet connection, always on internet connection, making sure that a lot more people had access, right, to, to good internet, cloud availability, making sure that it was easy for engineers to be able to start companies on the cloud there was a lot of those aspects. What were the risks we were asking in my mind is, how many such startups will get formed? Are we too early? So if you're too early, then what happens is you have only that many startups you can help. Then what happens after that? Because the economic model also will not work because we were not doing this as a nonprofit. That's the first thing. So we wanted to do it where, as I mentioned to you, We should create wealth for the startups and we should be able to make wealth for ourselves through that. So it's a win-win for both. And you need to have enough good startups to be able to do that. And good startups as in the founders thinking about, hey, I want to deliver a SaaS business. So I want to deliver this value to the customer through the SaaS model, which is a subscription based model delivered over the internet. So yeah, there are some of these things that go on in our you know, when we look at the business, but we started realizing that this is the next wave.
1: Thus, Upeka was born to help startup companies weather the storms and survive, thrive, grow and scale. This meant changing the existing narrative that was in place from valuation-based startups to value-based startups. This change in thinking was not revolutionary, but more about common sense.
0: So it's not necessarily a newly invented mantra. Many startup founders, not just SaaS, not just Upeka companies, but many SaaS startup founders or many entrepreneurs have that right in their DNA. They say, hey, we will build a business-only capital efficiently. And there are a lot of others who say, yes, we will grow, but we will grow at all cost. Valuations are more important. We, As long as we have money that is available for us, we will burn money and try to grow at all costs. Right? So at Opeka, what we say is, how do you maximize this value creation for our customers? And how do you do that, right? By, so if you're investing a dollar, And if you're able to make more than one dollar, that is value says. So you have to think about, are you burning cash before you get your fundamentals right? And we have this interesting term called capital indigestion. When you take a lot more money than you need, and you may not come to know about it, but a lot of startup founders can even fail because they take a lot more money. Think their business model was working, because they've been throwing money at the problem. The moment they try to get to a, what do I do next, right? How do I become profitable? Then the whole ship sinks. But you hear about the successful ones and kudos to them, right? There are people who are able to take money and maximize on that and build uh, great companies. So our philosophy is not about, don't take money. Make sure that whatever you're doing, you're building a capital efficient business. So, if you're taking money, keep it in the bank. Don't use it until it's the right time to use it. But it's very difficult, right, not to do that. Once you put the money, then you are expected to grow it. Show growth. Otherwise, why did you take the money? And the reason for that is see, it's just, it's not nothing wrong about the VC. It's the fund philosophy. If you understand how funds work, how VC funds work, they have to maximize returns to their LPs.
1: An LP is a limited partner.
0: So the faster they can give back returns, the better. We are very convinced that you don't need a lot of money to get your fundamentals right. So first, get your fundamentals right. What we call as a value SaaS flywheel. So you get that fundamental right first. By the time you reach about a million ARR, the startup founder knows what is the potential of this business, how big it is going to grow, what is the TAM, uh, what is the... uh, how well they've got their product market fit, and then they can actually decide the path that they want to take.
1: Shekhar knew that funding was just one piece of the puzzle. Startups needed more than just money to succeed. They needed guidance, support, and mentorship. And that's why Upeka also acted as an accelerator, providing startups with the resources they needed to take their companies to the next level. As Shekhar continued to build Upeka, he was determined to make a difference in the startup ecosystem. He knew that there were countless deserving founders out there who just needed the right support to turn their dreams into the reality that they dreamt of. And he was passionate about helping them do just that. An LP is a limited partner. So,
0: the faster they can give back returns, the better. We are very convinced that you don't need a lot of money to get your fundamentals right. So, first get your fundamentals right. What we call as a value SaaS flywheel. So, you get that fundamental right first. By the time you reach about a million ARR, the startup founder knows what is the potential of this business, how big it is going to grow, what is the TAM, uh, what is the uh, how well they've got their product market fit, and then they can actually decide the path that they want to take.
1: Shekhar knew that funding was just one piece of the puzzle. Startups needed more than just money to succeed. They needed guidance, support, and mentorship. And that's why Upeka also acted as an accelerator, providing startups with the resources they needed to take their companies to the next level. As Shekhar continued to build Upeka, he was determined to make a difference in the startup ecosystem. He knew that there were countless deserving founders out there who just needed the right support to turn their dreams into the reality that they dreamt of. And he was passionate about helping them do just that.
0: First thing is when Upeka is looking at it from a funding perspective, we are actually, we want to provide a small amount of capital It's a fixed capital, a small amount of capital to our startups, mainly because we learned that when these startups come to our program, if they have that worry of, hey, where am I? I don't have even a little amount of money for me to be able to focus on the program. I want to go. I'm thinking only about how to get some money. The first few years, we didn't even do the funding. We only were providing the community coaching frameworks, right? Because that's where we wanted to provide that value to the startups, startup founders. Then we realized that a lot of startups would require help from a small amount of capital. So we treat this capital not as a proper funding because we don't set valuations, we don't take control, right? So we are just saying, if you have 100K, okay, you should be able to build a million-dollar business if you're looking at things capital-efficient. Once you get to a millionaire, then these young startup founders have already figured out. They have much more confidence in terms of how they can get to that next destination. So when you're going to the next destination, because you asked me about how to think about that right, from a fundraising, you want to look at that part very differently. right? So you have to have a clear understanding of what your milestones are, how much Money will it take to get to those milestones? And you should be able to communicate this to a third party. Only then you'll be able to get money from a... It's not going to be as easy as getting money from Upeka. And you have to have a compelling story. By then, you should have a compelling story in terms of showing the treasure island. So if I have to use the anecdotal way of saying this is, If you are the investor, if you are a professional investor and you are coming, if I am coming to you, I have to show you the Treasure Island and why I am the best at getting to the Treasure Island. And then you will decide whether to come in with me in my journey. But if you don't even know whether the Treasure Island is there, then uh, taking the money is not doing justice to both yourself and the investor. So there the analogy I use is, you're climbing a mountain, we are helping you climb. We, are, we can teach you how to climb the mountain, you know, what resources you need to take, right, which path in the mountain you can take. But ultimately, on the top of the mountain, there is no treasure. Then uh, you have been uh, spending a lot of time climbing the wrong mountain.
1: As Shaker worked with more and more startups, he realized that dilution was a very important consideration for startup founders when they looked at funding. He saw many founders who were too eager to take on investments without fully understanding the implications of dilution. They would end up giving away far too much of their company too early, and it would come back to haunt them later on.
0: Dilution should be an important consideration for startup founders. When they look at any type of funding, they should do that. Because that impact of dilution is both on ownership and control. So for early stage startups, control of key decisions is very important because there is a good chance that you'll even be pivoting, right? You need to be able to, you don't want another person putting a roadblock for you so that even though you believe that you should be trying out something different, unable to do it because you already have somebody you know their intent is good they just don't believe what you believe right it's, and therefore then it creates friction so it's not just about the ownership but this is where control it becomes very important right it's the key decisions early stage founder is just making decisions on a daily basis right decision making is the only task for the startup founder And you want to protect that founder vision. And it's not easy to protect that founder vision. If you have somebody on the board, and that's one of the reasons we don't take board seats in our early investments, we may take it later. But when we do an early investment, we tell this is money for you to stay focused, get your business fundamentals, right? Decisions are yours, right? So, I think dilution is a very important consideration and and you want to see the money that you are taking. If you are looking at things in a capital efficient manner, right? then you need only less fund and which means less dilution. Money at a later stage, you have created more value in your company, which again means less dilution. Right? So, I wouldn't look at just dilution per se. You should look at dilution in a very strategic manner because that equity, you know, the cost of that equity is actually very high. You can use this equity for innovation, for building your business with partners, giving key employees more ownership in your company, There's so much. The moment you start diluting this equity, it makes it very difficult for the startup founders to, to use the remaining equity for a good purpose.
1: One financing option that caught Shaker's attention was revenue-based financing. It was a unique approach that offered an alternative to traditional equity funding. Shaker found that it was a great option for startups that were generating revenue but weren't yet ready for equity financing. Shaker started to see the potential it held for startups he was working with at OPECA. They realized that this form of financing could provide the boost of capital they needed to grow their business without the downside of dilution.
0: I'm a big supporter of revenue-based financing. In 2019, when revenue-based financing was not in India, uh, I actually modeled a revenue-based financing for our startup, and I partnered with someone who was like a traditional lender, said, hey, let's do this as a prototype, build it and see how it works. And so I'm actually a big supporter. The Now we have a lot of players who are focused on that and therefore there's no reason for us to, for Upeka to dabble on that. Right? But previously there was nobody even offering a revenue-based financing. And the first realization was that revenue-based financing was not really very applicable to a non-SaaS business. But the moment SaaS businesses showed that they have what is called recurring revenue, it made sense for revenue-based financiers to come in and invest in that model. Overall, I see more pros than cons because first is it's a non-dilutive funding. At every stage, startups will need some money, right? So when you, if you're able to take non-dilutive funding, it actually addresses some of the problems that we talked about in terms of keeping control, and keeping that optionality open in terms of which path of business you want to take, that is something that you are able to maintain for longer. And uh, the pros of this revenue-based financing, other than being non-dilutive, is that you have a flexible repayment, because it's based on percentage of revenue, and it aligns company and investor interest, because investor gets return faster when the company is growing faster. Because it's based on the revenues, right? So uh, if alignment is there, and they actually has to support, actively support the founder. If you look at uh, RBF and break that up, right? What will happen is if the investor, the RBF investor has to make money faster, then he wants the startup to also grow faster. They will actively support them, but without having control over the startup. And this is also very fast access to capital, that's the other advantage I see. You don't need to, it's the valuation discussion. is fully a valuation discussion, it is more about show me your revenues. I'm going to give you a percentage of that potential revenue for the next year. So your diligence and all that becomes very quick, right? You're focusing on the revenue diligence. And you're not assuming all the liabilities of the company. Whereas on the board, as an investor, as an equity investor, you are, you have the fiduciary responsibilities also. And then for the startup founder, one more thing is he's not having any...
1: Shaker had always been passionate about helping startups succeed, but he also knew the harsh reality of the fundraising world. He understood that taking money from VCs and investment houses meant giving up control and being pushed towards fast exits. And while exits were great for VCs, they were not always the best option for the founders. The thing is,
0: if you are going the VC route and you have taken money from VCs, you have no choice. That's where you don't have that optionality. You have no choice but to exit or go IPO. Exit is an IPO. IPO is also an exit in my definition. And why you may ask because VCs have to return that money to to their funds. So they want if you look at their clause in the final agreement right it will say very clearly saying that if I don't if you guys don't exit within so many years then we will have the right to drag you for to another sale and exit all that kind of stuff. When people do this bootstrapped doesn't mean they don't take money at all but they're making taking money from either a strategic investor that they know or they're taking from friends and family right all these kinds of people they have the liberty to keep building the business the way they want to go there's no pressure on exits so you should really ask the question right when you look at these large companies it's one of the things is people who are supporting those companies at the very early stage themselves are entrepreneurs. So they're not looking at it from a financier's mindset and saying, hey, I'm going
1: to support this. In the end, Shaker realized that the path to success for a startup is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Through his experience, Shaker has shown that there are many parts to success in the startup world. With OPECA, Shaker has found a unique way to help companies ensure that they have a clear value-based growth which increases their ability to survive, irrespective of funding. They also realize that as important as funding is, giving away what you have is not necessarily the best option and alternate forms of funding such as revenue-based financing makes a great combination. After all, it helps you build on the principle of value-based SaaS That Upeka is founded upon. Ultimately, it's up to each founder to find the right mix that's perfect for them.
0: That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning into the SaaS Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non-dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help. With their unique approach, you can receive up to 60% of your projected revenue as upfront capital, and all within just three days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com
1: to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the show.